Hello and welcome to the Onside Kick Family Hour. I'm your host, Ryan Van Bever. With me, as always, the guru, Stephen White. How you doing today, Stephen? Not feeling much like a guru, but I'm okay otherwise. <laughs> how about you? How, how you feeling with that 13 and three record from last last week? I gotta week? tell you, I'm feeling pretty good, and like I've been really resisting the temptation for the last 48 hours just to like go scream it from the highest mountain that I went 13 and three last week. But, you know, it's like I said every time I've ever bragged about anything in my life. The very next time I tried that same thing, I'd usually fall flat on my face. So I'm really trying to bottle it up be cool just try to be cool with it act like i've been there before you know what i mean nah listen <laughs> it's so hard to pick these games from week to week you gotta gloat when you have a chance <laughs> uh you know you, you, you gotta do a little dance dab a little bit on them or something like that because i'm telling you you know like you said the next week you could de- definitely be three or 13 they have to meet several times last year so get I, it get it in when you can i know and i think you know looking at this week's games i think this was i mean i guess you could say this about every week but i thought this was a tough week to pick the games too yeah um because you know what there's some teams that I kind of have a good feel for it now, I think. But then there's others that I still, even after two games, I'm still like, eh, I'm not really sure. And and, and some of it is injuries, obviously, with yeah. uh, Patriots. You know, they're down to the third-string quarterback, even though, uh, you know, they, 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 they're they 2-0 and they look really good for the most part in those two games. Now they're going with Jacoby Brissett. But even, you know, uh, with other teams, other teams that are maybe uh, underperforming, like, you know, uh, teams that have lost two close games or, or teams that have won two close games, and you wonder if maybe they're overachieving. Yeah. So for me, uh, and the matchups too, you know, some pretty good matchups this week. Um, uh, you know, the Arizona Buffalo game we were talking about before we went on. And for some reason, I picked Buffalo in that game, but I, I think I might have been high. Yeah, and I don't even really, you know, take drugs, but something's going on. Uh, but yeah, uh, but but you know, the Arizona stumped the mud hole uh, in the Bucks last week, and we thought the Bucks looked pretty good in yeah. the first first uh, week of the season. So again, it's just a lot of these teams. I think we're still trying to. Still trying to figure out. The, the 49ers look good against the Rams. Then the Rams beat the Seahawks, and the 49ers got a mud, mud hole stumped in them by Carolina. Yeah, it's just it's it's a you know it's it's still early, of course. And what's up with Green Bay? I mean, come on, man. I I tell you what, that's a tough one to figure out too, because you know we all like, hey, it's the timing and the rhythm will be better with Jordy Nelson back, but that hadn't been the case, has it? Not so much. And, and, and to their credit, the Vikings are very, very good defense. Yeah. I'm very impressed with them. But at the same time, that that offense just it, – it's not what we were expecting with Jordan Nelson back. We thought they would be explosive. Yeah. We thought they would kind of put the fear of God in people. And it's just not happening. And, and to be honest with you, uh, it, it didn't look like the Vikings were scared of them at all on defense. They, they kind of – they, they didn't necessarily go man-to-man, but they played a lot of single-high safety and, and kind of dared them to go deep on them. Yeah. And, and as far as I can remember, there was only that one deep ball to Jordy Nelson, but otherwise uh, uh, they came up pretty empty on, on those deep balls. So 
Um, I, I think one of the things that can help, and it can always, they got Aaron Rodgers. Yeah. So <laughs> they can get that thing turned around in a hurry if their receivers start winning uh, downfield. But it, it's got to happen. You got, I didn't see a whole bunch of guys running wide open down the field. I can promise you that much. Yeah. Last week. Now, every team won't have the Vikings defense, but at some point, you gotta you gotta scare teams. You got you gotta make them respect your passing game again. Yeah, and then everything else will open up. I, I yeah. guess so. Uh, uh, I think Eddie Lacy has been playing pretty well, but man, it's kind of weird <laughs> when uh, you're just so used to that Packers offense being so potent in the passing game that it opens up the run. Yeah. But now they, they might have to go to running the ball to open up things in the passing game. Yeah, which is kind of what they did a little bit last year when they were successful. And they yeah. weren't successful regularly last year by any means. But, you know, when they were, I think, their most successful, that's what they were doing. Right. They they were forced to do it. But we I think I can speak for myself. I, I think other people felt this way, too. It felt like they were forced to do it because of no Jordy Nelson. Now you yeah. still have Jordy Nelson. Of course, he's coming off a ACL tear, so he he's maybe not a hundred percent yet. But now you have him back in the fold, and you still might be forced to do that. So something's out of whack. I I, I don't know that they're you know doing having a much different game plan or anything like that. Uh, guys just aren't winning downfield. Yeah. That's a problem right now for them, and it's going to be a problem until they figure it out. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I'm just looking. Aaron Rodgers is, right, and I mean, it's only 70 passing attempts, so, you know, it's not a huge sample size. But, I mean, 57% completion rate for Aaron Rodgers, man. That just, like, you know, you let that sink in for a minute because, I mean, that's not what you're used to seeing. You know, um, Old friend Danny Kelly. Remember Danny? I've heard of that guy. (laughs) (laughs) He wrote a really good piece on The Ringer yesterday about Aaron Rodgers, specifically the Packers in general, but Aaron Rodgers specifically, kind of looking at, you know, what is troubling him a little bit recently. And, you know, I think he made a pretty good point about, you know, if you look, it seems like he's trying to do a little more improvisation and and maybe that's because of the way his receivers aren't winning downfield against their man but you know he's not really kind of throwing much out of the pocket he's not planting his foot he's just kind of flicking it you know and he's got the arm strength where he can you know when he flicks if I flick a ball it's going to go across the table if he flicks a ball you know it's going to go 70 yards down the field but you're not as accurate when you do that either well that, that's that's absolutely true. Um, I just I kind of think we might be overthinking it with Aaron Rodgers a little bit. Yeah. Only because I can't remember a whole bunch of his balls just being wildly off target. Yeah. Uh, maybe they weren't perfectly you know, placed for the wide receiver, but but again, we're used to his receiver making plays for him. Yeah. Especially especially Jordy Nelson. Remember all those uh, back shoulder fades they oh, would hook yeah. up on. And not all those balls were thrown perfectly. It's just they had that connection. They had that you know, mind meld or something, and, and they were always on the same page. Uh, I, what I have seen is sometimes it doesn't look like he's always on the same page with his wide receiver. Yeah. But even with the, the running around and stuff, um, it, it doesn't seem like he's that off with his passing as far as his aim or anything like that. It's, it, he, he probably could cut down on some of the scrambling. Uh, but but 
like last week against the Vikings, man, their pass rush was coming. Yeah. So sometimes maybe you have more time than you think you do, but you're going against a good defensive line, yeah. and maybe your offensive line isn't holding up so well. And so just that internal clock in your head tells you, hey, my first read is covered, my second read is covered. Let me go ahead and try to buy some time. Yeah. Uh, and so it's a delicate balance there. And, and that's always been a part of what has made Aaron Rodgers so special that ability to extend the play and let his guys get open down the field and then he chunks it. But again, the major problem to me is, and I'm not saying Danny's wrong. I'm just saying that that's probably a factor. But to me, the bigger factor is even after he does it, all that running around, there's still nobody open. Yeah. So if you can't get open after all that, something's wrong. Yeah. Well, and I think, you know, with that, with the Vikings pass rush just kept coming and coming and coming like that. There wasn't much adjustment in what the Packers were trying to do either. Well, yeah, and that goes back. Like I said, I don't see a lot of difference in their in their play calling, but you know maybe there should be. Maybe they should try to change things up a little bit because hey, at some point everybody kind of figures you out. You have to put in some wrinkles. You have to do some things a little bit differently if you want to continue to succeed. Yeah. Um, and and and, and that that's on the head coach slash offense coordinator. Mike McCarthy. I mean, that, 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 that's under his purview. And I think the thing that's probably getting people to, to be a little bit more nervous than usual about it is they seem so defensive about everything. Like, they, they, they don't seem to be embracing, hey, we need to change some things up or, hey, you know, yeah. stuff's out of whack. We need to fix it. And it's that age-old say, saying – if you if you want to acknowledge that something is broken, how can you ever fix it? Yeah. So uh, you know the problem supposedly last year was that McCarthy wasn't calling the plays. Yeah. Well, now you're calling the plays, and the plays aren't giving you the success that 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 you're seeking. And a lot of it is. Uh, uh, um, I saw an uh, analyst yesterday j- just making a comment: is the offense is so predicated on. Hey, go go beat your man. Not necessarily route combinations yeah. and stuff to to you know exploit different coverages, but hey, you got to go beat your man, and then we throw the ball to him. Well, if nobody's winning, you might need to adjust their plan. I'm yeah. just saying. Yeah, and you know, uh, people made in the offseason a big deal about Jared Cook bringing coming in, and I thought you know that that should be a good one, but he's not. He's always man. I've seen him struggle against man you know he gets beat by he gets washed out by linebackers way too often for a big tight end like that in my opinion yeah i mean you would think that wouldn't be the case because he's so big and athletic and everything but sometimes it just matters some guys just know how to get open yeah and then some guys don't yeah some guys just don't know how to use all that athleticism to its maximum potential yeah. So even if he is fast and big and all that, if he's not running good routes, if he, if he's not setting guys up, uh, and, and again, if if the quarterback doesn't have time to to see him on those deeper routes, it's not going to work. You know. Yeah. And, and and I think again, Jared Cook, I think will be fine if the other receivers were doing their job. If Jordan Nelson was the Jordan Nelson of twenty fourteen then you're going to have to give Jordan Nelson some extra help. That means probably pulling one of the safeties out of the middle 
and bam, you got a lot more area for uh, uh, Cook to work in. Yeah. When, when the safeties can just stay in the middle of the field, well, the one thing you expect him to do is kind of push the ball up the seams and stuff. And if that's taken away, what good is he? You know, like I said, I've never seen him as this great route runner or anything. So, um, not really getting a lot out of him if you can't pull those safeties from the middle of the field. So, uh, it comes back to, again, guys have to start winning. Uh, And that that includes Cobb and all those guys, too. Not just Jordy Nelson. Um, They need some guys to start winning uh, as far as their skill position players. And maybe... They need Aaron Rodgers to play a little bit more fundamentally sound as well. Yeah, it, it, I don't think the offensive line has been terrible or just you know uh, bad in any way. You're going to get beat sometimes. It, that's just how it goes when you go against a good defensive line. But uh, you know things are not clicking right now, and they have to find a way to get it back on track, or or they're going to be in a bunch of trouble. Yeah, and that's what always worries me a little bit with McCarthy. Right, it just seems like he's doubling down on, on himself. Yeah. You know, it's almost as if, and a lot of coaches are like this. Um, they, they usually aren't the better coaches, but a lot of coaches feel like if they ever adjust after criticism, then they're acknowledging that they were wrong. Yeah, and so they would rather just keep, you know, kind of pounding their head against the wall so they can prove that they were never wrong in the first place rather than being more flexible about it. And so, uh, like I said, I think that's the vibe. That's really the reason why people are starting to freak out uh, is, you know, it's just two games. Um, but but people are starting to kind of get their feeling like he's not seeing that anything is wrong. And, and, you know, bigger than that, something has been kind of wrong for more than just this season. You know, there, there were rumblings about his play calling last year. Yeah. Uh, so the fact that it didn't get changed, it didn't get fixed, and now it looks like he's still kind of you know stuck in his ways and saying, "Well, you know, y'all don't know what you're talking about. I know what I'm doing, or what have you." Uh, and you know, Aaron Rodgers went on the the, the little mini rant uh, yesterday talking about. You know, you think you know, but you don't really know yeah. what's going on. And, and of course, okay, cool. I always make that disclaimer when I'm watching a film, whether it's defense or offense. There's some things that you just cannot know. Yeah. If you don't know what the play is and the play design and what the reads are and all that stuff, but you can, you got two eyes. You can look at uh, you know, the all 22 and see who's open and who's not. Though that's yeah. one thing you can. And it's obvious that again, they aren't winning. Whether they like the criticism or not, that's just the plain guys on the truth. Yeah, no, for sure. And you know what though? If they if they if these struggles keep up, it's going to be an interesting year for Green Bay because I mean, this is a team that is a perennial Super Bowl candidate. I mean, they really, you know, it's a team that everyone ex- sort of expects to make a run at the Super Bowl every year. And if the way they're going right now, they're not, you know, they're not going to even sniff that. And, and, and you know, you, you had the feeling once Teddy Bridgewater goes down that it's their division to lose, right? Yeah. It, it's like, okay, well, th- this should kind of uh, clear the way for Green Bay to win the division and, and maybe get a first round bye and, and they're back to being Super Bowl contenders. And then you lose to the Vikings in week two. 
Yeah. That's got to sting a lot. So, um, again, it's, it's, it's two weeks into the season. A lot can change uh, in the next 14, 15 weeks. But uh, you need to see, I think people start feeling better about them if you start to actually see those changes, if you start to see new wrinkles, if you start to see them, you know, kind of think, do things a little bit differently. And if you start to see Jordy Nelson start looking more like the Jordy Nelson we're used to seeing. Yeah. And they might, they play, they're at home against the Lions this week. Now, that's not quite the slam dunk it used to be, but I don't know, the Lions lost to the Titans <laughs> last week so, and squeaked by the Colts. So we'll, we'll see. But then they have a week four bye, which is always a good, I mean, I know there's probably pros and cons to an early season bye, but I guess if you're struggling to get everyone on the same page a little bit, it's probably good to have it in September as opposed to, you know, when the season's already slipped away from you. Yeah. No, go ahead. No, I was like, I was just going to reiterate it. Yeah. It gives you a chance to at least regroup and kind of, you know, reset and and make that push. It it, it sucks because you got, so many weeks in a row without a break after that. But when you struggle early on, sometimes it gives you that little chance to kind of uh, reevaluate some things. Yeah. But, you know, I, I guess I was going to say that's probably a good, a goodest transition as any to talk about the Vikings who, you know, it sort of seems like they are continually screwed, but they find a way, man. You know, first it was the Bridgewater thing and they found a way to win in week one with Sean Hill give themselves some time to get Bradford ready. And then they go out last week and beat the Packers. Bradford had a good game. Stefan Diggs had a great game. And uh, the whole time Adrian Peterson hasn't really been much of a factor for him, but now he's a non-factor because he's out for the season. So I guess it's back to the same question we've asked before with the Vikings and we have gotten a positive answer to it. Are they screwed without Adrian Peterson now? Well, they actually had some pretty good talent uh, at running back behind Adrian Peterson. Jerick McKinnon is more yeah. of a scat back. Matt Asiata is more of the bigger pounded back. So uh, when when Adrian Peterson was out a couple years ago, those two guys kind of became a, a nice little one-two punch. Yeah. Uh, and Teddy Bridgewater's rookie season. And then he just picked up Ronnie Hillman. It's probably going to take him a little while to, to kind of be a factor. But um, – I think when 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 you saw the game last week and you saw that they were still able to function pretty effectively, and, and let's be honest, Adrian Peterson hadn't exactly set the world on fire no. through the first uh, game and a half anyway. Uh, you know, teams that kind of stacked the box against Sean Hill, and even with uh, Bradford under center, uh, you, you just didn't see a whole lot of uh, room for 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 Peterson to operate. Uh, th- there was some crazy stat I saw last week where. He was only getting like less than a yard before contact, like like literally they were getting him before he could even get a yard up the field. Yeah. Uh, so and, and again, I made this point before. Uh, it's hard for any running back to perform well under that circumstance. So uh, I'm not sure that the running game is going to be a major factor either way. But 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 this, you know, I think probably the offensive line is going to be a bigger deal. Uh, because I think um, didn't Matt Khalil get hurt also? Uh, I'm not sure how long he's going to be out, but I think he did get hurt. Um, well, no, he's on IR. So yeah. you got left tackle issues. 
um, which they had left tackle with issues when Khalil was in last yeah. year. Um, and and their, 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 their offensive line gave up a bunch of pressure last year. So this is kind of a recurring thing. It, it, it's hard to operate when your offensive line isn't very good, but they also have some pretty good skill position players. So, it, it, you know, again, people are going to focus on Bradford. They're going to focus on all this stuff on offense missing the running backs. To me, it's more about their defense and special teams. Yeah. Because uh, their defense looked amazing last week. Yeah. They were just, you know, everybody was making plays, and, and people were worried about um, Trey Waynes, and, and he did have a few penalties, but that guy's a ball hawk, man. He, yeah. When the ball's in the air, he goes after it like he's a receiver. And I really like that about him. So, um, just – there aren't any – we talked about the Broncos' defense. There aren't any or very many weak points on this Vikings' defense either. And so, it, you know, as long as Bradford doesn't make the big mistakes, as long as you got a guy like Stephon Diggs, a receiver, who's really picked it up this year, yeah, I think that they can be in any game. Yeah, And so that, that, that's, what, that, that's all you can ask for. Is that in the fourth quarter, you're going to be in every game and have a chance to win pretty much every game. There's not a team out there that I think is going to dominate their defense enough to run away with it before the fourth quarter. Yeah. So then you just got to make some plays. Yeah. And that's, you know, even if Adrian Peterson was in there, that would still be the case. Yeah. So, uh, you know, it, it, the war of attrition is more what I would be worried about with them. You know, they, they're getting these injuries already. Yeah. And so it's a long season. And we know Sam Bradford's history, right? Yeah, oh yeah. How long can he stay here? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, you know, if you start, you know, getting these injuries and then all of a sudden your death gets tested, that will worry me a little bit. But as long as their defense is playing the way they're playing, like I said, I think they're going to be a contender the whole season. Yeah. Well, and, and they've got an interesting game this week at, in Carolina against the Panthers. Now, that I mean, I think that could end up being a defensive struggle, you know what I mean? Because oh, Carolina's absolutely. defense is nothing to sneeze at either. Oh, absolutely. And and, and Carolina's defense uh, has been missing some pass They really haven't gotten out to the quarterback the way I thought they would so far. Mm-hmm. But they still play pretty well now. The one thing about it is uh, Carolina ha- does have a weak point on their defense now, which they didn't before, and that's at cornerback. Uh, yeah. But they got the rookie starting, and <laughs> let's just say things haven't gone all that <laughs> for James Brad- Bradbury so far. Um, but but he had, he's a rookie, and he's learning, and he can, has the ability to play better, of course. But teams have been targeting him, and, and so far he hasn't been necessarily stepping up to the challenge. So uh, I see this as definitely a defensive battle. Uh, uh, I, I think that if it's defense versus defense, quite honestly, I think the Vikings have the edge right now. Yeah. Uh, but at the same time, Carolina also has Cam Newton yeah. and Kelvin Benjamin. And Ted Ginn Jr. And, you know, they, they lost Jonathan Stewart for a while, but Fozzie Whitaker is a pretty good back. 
So those are kind of the equalizers there. I'm not sure uh, that the the Vikings with Sam Bradford are going to scare you like the Panthers are with Cam Newton at quarterback. It's just it's just kind of how it goes. And I think Carolina's at home too. Yeah. Um, so I, I would kind of give them the edge, but I'm 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 with you. I think it's going to be a defensive struggle, and I wouldn't be surprised at all if the Vikings end up pulling it out at the end. Because I, I again I think this will be another game. Where even if they're down, they won't be down much in the fourth quarter. Yeah. Well, yeah, and the way they're attacking the ball too, the Vikings. I mean, I mean that's always four forced fumbles last week against the Packers. They finally got they finally got that one against recovered the one against Rodgers at the end of the game, and then a pick too. I mean that's. I mean that's it's reminiscent a little bit of the old the Seahawks defense a couple of years ago. And, and, and that's exactly who they kind of look like on film. They play a lot of single high safety, just like the Seahawks. Mostly a four man line, not a whole lot of blitzing. Yeah, there's, there's a lot of similarity there. Yeah, it's a it's gonna be interesting. They're a fun team to watch, man. It's a and again, I mean, it's they've been like that, but this is really going to be a pretty interesting year for the Vikings. I'm excited to see what they can do going forward. I guess the other big injury situation to talk about is uh, the wheels coming off the quarterbacks in, in New England. I thought you were going to say the Browns for a minute. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, I but, guess there is the Browns, but man, yeah, but what else we'll is get new? Down to I mean, not, not, not that the Browns are 2-0 <laughs> or anything, but uh, yeah, the um, – the the situation last week, I, I, it, it, the thing of it is, it, it, it's the damnest thing. Jimmy Garoppolo looked like a million bucks, well, a hundred million bucks. You know, yeah. the economics have changed now. You can't just say a million bucks. <laughs> <laughs> but it looked like a hundred million bucks last week and the week before, before he got hurt. I mean, yep. that guy looked like he was made to be in that offense. And even though I scoffed, and people who were talking about, well, will he have a chance to be the starter when Brady came back? I bet you Brady was watching those games like, hmm. <laughs> <laughs> the little thinker emoji, you know, like, this dude is pretty damn good now. Because uh, it wasn't like he was just getting by. Yeah. Like, he was lighting people's ass up. Yeah. Those first games, and then he ends up getting hurt. Um, and I know they're trying to rush him back. Uh, tonight, which I think is, would be a mistake on his part, mm-hmm. uh, for the most part, but um, they were looking good, man. Even without Gronk, you know. Yeah, uh, all this was without Gronk. Yeah, uh, Chris Hogan has been looking good. He's got a plug. He was one of my breakout players. Oh, yeah, uh, Mike uh, Michael Bennett has been looking good. Uh, you know, Julian Edelman has been playing like we expected him to play. And then last week, they really uh, after. Uh, Garoppolo gets hurt. They really fed LeGarrette Blunt a lot of times, and, and he looked like a monster again, hurtling people <laughs> and all that good stuff. Yeah. And, and so, um, you know, you got to wonder, Jacoby Brissett, I don't know if he's ready or not. Uh, it didn't look like they, you know, had put a lot on his plate after Garoppolo uh, went down last week. Mm-hmm. But they did let throw a few passes. He showed off. His running ability a couple times, too, ran for at least one first down that I can remember. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he, he brings something different to the table. Yeah. It'll be interesting to see how they change their approach 
with him under center versus a Brady or a Garoppolo. Um, because, again, I talked about how uh, static Mike McCarthy is. Well, the Patriots are known for kind of adjusting on the fly. Yeah. That is their thing. They're going to do whatever it takes to beat you on any given day, whatever, no matter what that might take. Yeah. And so, you know, I wouldn't be at all surprised to see them have some quarterback run in the game plan this week for Brissett so that maybe they don't have to have him throwing the football all that much, but he can still make an impact uh, uh, that way. Yeah. Uh, and their defense is playing well, too. Now, the, the, the Dolphins came back on them uh, in the second half of that game, but I had to watch it twice to make sure – it wasn't really so much about Brissett, you know, getting them back in the game. The Dolphins just started making some plays. Yeah. Uh, uh, their offense basically started making some plays, and and, and the Patriots' defense kind of let up on them a little bit. But Brissett didn't look bad. Yeah. I didn't think he looked bad at all. And so um, it, it, it's 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 obviously a hallmark of a good team when you're down to your third-string quarterback and you still have a legitimate chance to win against, you know, a, a pretty good team. Uh, uh, let's see, they're playing Houston, right? Houston tonight. Uh, Houston tonight, and Houston is two and zero, and they look pretty good on both sides of the ball. But uh, I mean, New England is New England, mm-hmm. and they're going to do what they need to do to win. I actually picked them to win that game tonight, and I think they will. I think they're going to shock people because. You just hear third string quarterback, and then of course Jacoby Brissett wasn't like some big name guy out of college. He he had a lot of physical tools though, Um, and you just kind of assume third string quarterback they don't have a chance. But there's a chance Gronk might play tonight. Their defense has been playing well for the most part, and he's got a bunch of weapons around him, so he won't have to do it all himself. Um, This will be kind of however long it takes for Garoppolo to come back or Brady to come back in a couple weeks. Yeah. This will show you the difference between the Patriots and other teams that don't have a real good coaching staff. Yeah. Because if they can weather this storm and win at least one of these next two games, that's just not something that you would imagine could happen with the third-string quarterback there. No, and it's kind of interesting because it seems like, I mean, they're already playing with house money a little bit, the Patriots, too, because, I mean, they're 2-0. and I mean, they don't have Tom Brady. And I think really sort of the expectations for that four-game stretch without Tom Brady even was probably 2-2 two and two, no matter, you know what I mean, unless just the wheels completely came off and people started losing legs and shit like that that they would make it through their two and two. And I think, you know, going back to before the season, looking at it, it was probably Arizona was probably their toughest game on the schedule. Now, I mean, it's changed a little bit since August, but, and they can't afford just a ton more injuries, but I'm telling you what, that's, you know, to be two and O on the season already without Tom Brady at quarterback, you know, they can, not that Bill Belichick would ever say this, but they can afford, to take a hit or two right now. Right. Especially when you look around the division and yeah. you're just a one and one, but the dolphins and the bills are both on two. 
Yeah. So uh, it's not like not exactly like anybody's nipping on their heels right now, <laughs> except for maybe the Jets. And, and you know, we'll see how that plays out. But definitely f- for at least two games, you, you know, like you said, even if they go on two, they're probably still going to have a share of the division at the end of that. Yeah. But I, I'm I'm thinking that I really think that they're going to win at least one of these next two games, regardless. Yeah. Yeah, because it's it's Houston this week, and then it's Buffalo the week after that. And man, Buffalo is in a sorry state of affairs. I mean, you find an offense coordinator after your defense can stop the Jets <laughs> from, from beating you. I mean, and they scored like thirty some points. They they threw a bomb on Revis. All this, and you fire the offense coordinator. Yeah. It's interesting. Now, I will say this. Now, my thing is, I look back at the film, and, and and I guess you, Greg Roman could have called some different plays. He could have got maybe Sammy Watkins more involved, especially since he was out there with a hurt foot. You know, you kind of hate to waste a guy that, that's sucking it up and playing for you and not doing anything to really get him the ball, especially. But um, I just saw plays where guys didn't execute, most specifically – uh, Tyrod Taylor, who I like, yeah. didn't have his best game at all. You know, he was missing guys who were open on some relatively easy throws. And then there were other times where he just, he stared down one receiver who was wide open and didn't throw the football right before halftime. And that gave him a chance to maybe score a touchdown there. And, and you know, you just like, what's going on with that? Yeah. Um, but there seemed to be more execution than, than calling the plays or whatever. Uh, so, you know, it, it was kind of – I'm still very curious about that whole situation of firing Greg Roman right there. Uh, you know, you just gave uh, the quarterback that, that you didn't even think was going to be a starter last year an extension based on the year he had under Greg Roman. Yeah. Uh, Sammy Watkins had a pretty good year last year when he was fully healthy. He hasn't really been healthy yet yeah. with that foot injury. Uh, and you put up a bunch of points against what, you know, I thought was a pretty good Jets defense. And he's the one that gets fired the next day. So, you know, Yeah, it, and you, you, and the defense is what stunk it up. And then he goes out and that's, you know, stand behind it. I think Rob Ryan's a heck of a coach. Oh, really? You think your own brother's a good coach? I can't believe that. Right. <laughs> I, it, it's just amazing. And... <laughs> I don't know. It, you know, right after the game, his excuse was, I thought we would cover. Yeah. Really? Really? You thought you would cover? You thought you would cover Brandon Marshall, who is a guy that over the course of his career has been really hard to cover with one guy. You thought yeah. you thought that guy was just you just gonna line up and cover him? <laughs> Man, I don't think they, they legalized weed in Buffalo yet, have they? I don't know. I don't think, think so. They have. I feel they, bad because that was the Bruce Smith game, too, where they retired Bruce Smith's jersey. Only player having his jersey retired this season. Yeah, it, it, that was a, a terrible way to honor him with that <laughs> shitty defense. I can tell you that much. <laughs> I don't know. I always, to me, I, like Rex Ryan's like Jeff Fisher with better quotes. <laughs> Pretty much. I mean, you know, Pretty and it, they're kind of in there. Obviously, it's from the Buddy Ryan coaching tree, too. It, so, you, the funny thing is, Jeff Fisher is probably still going to outlast Rick Ryan. Oh, of course. Of course. 
Jeff Fisher's like a cockroach. He'll be here. Well, he'll be coaching a team after nuclear winter somewhere. <laughs> and they'll still be seven and nine. <laughs> oh, yeah. They'll be seven and nine against the all zombie squad or something like that. Oh, whatever. But they'll beat the Seahawks. We know that. Speak. I, I wanted to talk about the Seahawks a little bit because I think that's Ooh. not. I mean, their defense has looked good. I don't want to undersell it, but man, that offense is looking like trash so far. Now, I will say, Russell Wilson's hurt. They probably should have sat him last week. He's got a high ankle sprain, and I question that decision a little bit because you need to make sure if you're the Seahawks, you need to make sure Russell Wilson's healthy in November. And December, not for, you know, week two of the season, but and, and they've got a week five bye too, so you can kind of get him some early rest there. But it seems like uh yeah, I don't know what to think of this. I mean the I know that we know the offensive line's garbage, but man, they just they can't get anything done. Well yeah, I, I don't want you to insult garbage like that, to be honest <laughs> with you. That offensive line was so bad that you know, I, I was looking for something to write about this week, and I was gonna—I was considering writing about them, but they were so bad that I felt like it was gonna be like a five thousand word post, literally, because every guy stunk it up. It wasn't like one or two guys; like all of them sucked bad, and and, and really, I can't say that any of them was worse than the other. That's no. how bad it was, and they're going against a pretty good defensive line. Yeah, and the Rams don't get me wrong, but when I can't even hardly explain to you how bad it was. Like, there are no running lanes, for instance. And we know that the Seahawks, especially with a hobble Russell Wilson, had to be able to run the ball. Yeah. There are no running lanes. I mean, they're just letting guys go at times. Different guys. And, and don't even get me started on the pass protection because you shouldn't even use the word protection in conjunction with the Seahawks offensive line at all. When, when you refer to what they did last week against the they didn't protect Russell Wilson at all. And then you, you look at some of the play calls, they actually ran a freaking read option with Russell Wilson last week with a high ankle sprain. Yeah. What kind of shit is that? Like, and, and he tried to run it, but come on now. You, you want the man to try to limp with a, and run a, run a read option? Yeah, it, it was just it, everything about it was bad, and and they're still not. <sighs> the Jimmy, the Jimmy uh, what's his name? Jimmy Graham shit is still bothering me. Like you won't split them out wide, you won't put them in the slot, you won't do any of the things that you need to do to try to get him the football. He's a fucking playmaker. Yeah. He's a guy that doesn't... You traded the fucking farm for this guy. I wouldn't give a shit if they got him off the street. The dude is a fucking playmaker. It it ain't just about his, his, his like, okay, here's his monetary value. On the field, you put the ball in his hands where he can run, and he will fucking take it to the house. Yeah. You know, it's not just like, throwing them bombs and stuff like that. It, okay, fine. Maybe you can't figure out how to get them up the scene. Although it would seem like line them up a slot and send them up the scene isn't fucking rocket science. <laughs> okay, maybe you can't figure that shit out. Throw them a fucking screen. Throw them a five-yard out. They, they, they had them running like five-yard sit-down routes. 
from tight end where we know he can't block worth the shit. Yeah. Your rest of your offensive line can't block worth the shit. So he's get he's he's doing a terrible job there. Your running game can't get going. And then you can't get him open because you're lining them up at tight end where it's either for them to chuck him and then you run them on five yard stop routes. <laughs> what in the fuck are you doing? What what how do you come up with this approach? And yes, you factor in everything they gave up to get them, and it makes even less sense. Yeah. Like this is a fucking playmaker for you. And you you you're using them, you might as well line them up at fucking fullback. Yeah. Like that that's 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 a potential impact he can have. I don't get it. You're not fucking fooling anybody anyway. Yeah. Line them up in the slot or line them up out wide. Give them some easy fucking throws. Don't give them a quick slant. Because Jimmy Graham is not just good before the ball gets there. He's not just one of those guys, okay, you can throw it to him deep. You get the ball in his hands and he can make shit happen. But you're going against a team with a great defensive line that you know is not going to let you, you know, sit back in a pocket for a long time and let stuff develop with a quarterback who is hobbled and you don't do a damn thing to try to get the ball in Jimmy Graham's hand. Like, if I'm him, I'd be asking for a fucking trade right now because it's ridiculous. Well, and it was, a, it was a similar criticism with them last year in Graham, too. I mean, they really, like, and, you know, you got early on, it's like, well, they're kind of getting him into the offense. He's got to learn, you know, they play a little bit different style offense, blah, 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 blah. But it's like, you, you got to do more with him. And this was the same problem last year. They just didn't right. game plan for him very well. That's the thing about it. Like, last year... Everybody was complaining, but I think kind of you just figured, okay, well, you know, he got hurt. He was in, yeah. They see, they see now on film that he's not some kind of great blocker. So maybe, just maybe, they self-scout themselves enough to say, you know what? This is fucking stupid. Yeah. Let's not do this again. Let's do something different. Or at the very least, they say, hey, we need some quicker passes into this offense this week. Since our quarterback is hobbled and our offensive line sucks, let's try to get the ball in his hands. Yeah. She wouldn't have tried everything else with throwing deep balls uh, uh, to the other guys and, 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 you know, to limited success. Let's try throwing some to Jimmy Graham where he can actually run after the catch. No. Nope. Absolutely not. Five-yard stops. That's what they got for him. I mean, it is just sickening watching – how you a, a guy who is that good in the way they're using him? Like it, it really, it made me mad. It made me mad. Irrational. I'm not a Seahawks fan, or I, I'm not a Jimmy. I'm not Jimmy Graham's friend. I don't know him, but just watching a dude with that much potential that's been that good before that can make those kind of plays for you, and you line them up and fucking tight end and run them on five yard stops is infuriating to me. It doesn't make any sense, and it doesn't help your offense. So you know, I hope somebody slaps the shit out of the offense coordinator at some point. Maybe Jimmy Graham, maybe <laughs> Russell Wilson. I don't really care who. And says, "Hey man, get him the fucking ball in position to make plays, so he can actually justify everything that you gave up to get him." Because yeah. otherwise, it doesn't make any sense in the world the way that they're using him. It doesn't make a bit of damn sense. No, and they need it because I know they're one and one, but man, right now, I mean, I, I don't even, I'm looking at the schedule and everybody picked Seattle this week um, from our panel, but I, like, I don't think that's just as easy of a pick as it would have been. You know what I mean? Or as it should be. 
I mean, San Francisco, yeah, I mean, I know they got Blaine Gabbert, and that's going to be kind of the deciding factor for me in picking Seattle to win that game. But shit, man, San Francisco's defense can still do some work, and Seattle's offense hadn't been, hasn't been the toughest of opponents for anybody right now. I'm going to tell you straight up, I made that pick before I watched the film and saw how bad the offensive line played, and I'm very nervous about that. My only thing is we know that they play bad against – uh, the Rams. That's just kind of been a historic yeah. thing. And they have this kind of back and forth with the 49ers. So coming off a loss, you kind of expect them to bounce back a little bit. Maybe Russell Wilson, who didn't seem to take any big hits on that ankle again or whatever. Maybe with another week, he's a little bit more mobile than he was last week. But it, it's by no means a, a foregone conclusion that they're going to win that game because, and I say this a lot, I say this uh, a lot when it refers to my college football team, I played for Tennessee, uh-huh. and, and it applies across the board, though. When your offensive line sucks, there ain't a whole lot you can do on offense. Yeah. Right? There just ain't. You you can make up all the other excuses or, or other reasons where this running back didn't have a great game, this wide receiver didn't have a great game, the quarterback wasn't this, wasn't that. But if the offensive line is playing like shit, nobody's job is very easy. Yeah. Most guys are going to struggle no matter where they're at otherwise. So until they get that short up, and I'm not sure they can because it's a personnel issue. It's not just a technique issue. Yeah. Then they're, they're going to struggle this whole season, no matter <laughs> who they play, whether it's a good team or a bad team. They're just, if a team can get if their defensive line can, can get any kind of pass rush, the Seahawks are not going to light a lot of people up. They're not going to light up the scoreboard because Russell Wilson can't do it by himself. Neither can anybody else on that offense. The offensive line has got to pick it up some kind of way, shape, form, or fashion. But for right now, like I said, it looks like a personnel issue, and they ain't, you know, all pro guards just walking around on the street for them to pick up. No. So it, I don't know. You know, we just expect them to be good. We expect the Seahawks to be good. But J.R. Sweezy is gone. I, I know people didn't have much of a high opinion of him, but he was okay. Yeah. Russell O'Coon was hurt a lot, is gone. Yeah. And I got Bradley Soil <sighs> and left out. Damn, man. So uh <laughs> and, and then you know the right right guard, Ifeti, is hurt, so they got his back up in. Yeah, and he's a rookie so, too. Right. So it yeah, and it wasn't any guarantees with him. Yeah. So, uh, listen, it, this might just be who the Seahawks are this year. They, they're going to have to beat teams, you know, in, in, in you know, the, the high teens or low 20s. Yeah. Scoring, scoring in, the, in, 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 in the, you know, high teens or low 20s. And that might actually be a little uh, 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 generous. Yeah. Because they only got three, three points against the Rams. The, the the damn 49ers had what 28 points <laughs> 28 to nothing 28 points against the 49ers and the Seahawks can only manage three yeah and, and I, I'm like I said I'm just not so sure that that isn't who they are this year we yeah. just gonna have to kind of come to especially if they especially if they lose this game or they struggle hey I think we all gonna have to adjust our expectations of them this year yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm starting to rethink my uh, Russell Wilson MVP pick from the season preview here. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
that's why I hate making. <coughs> excuse me. That's why I hate making predictions in August. It's so hard. It always just kind of blows up in your face. <laughs> it sure does, man. <laughs> I, uh, I pick Rasheed uh, Hagerman to be my breakout player. He's he's deactivated for the first game for Atlanta. So. Oh shit. Well, you know, especially with you, you've got some hits on the breakouts, though. I was looking at it earlier. I got some hits, but like you know how it is, you always kind of focus on the ones that you miss on. So yeah, like really deactivated, not even playing at all. Okay, cool <laughs> <laughs> <Ooh>, story. <laughs> you played last week, but you know, whatever. I don't know, man. That the Falcons' defense, I, it's just, I, I just, I you think you you got the Falcons figured out, and then you watch them, it's like I don't know what the hell they're doing, but. But shit, what about the Raiders defense? Yeah, you know, and that's a good that's a good topic because I, I cannot figure out for the life of me what in the hell is wrong with the Raiders. Yeah, it, it's hard to put your finger on because they, they got a bunch of good players on defense, but it's not really showing up. I, I just I re, before we started, I retweeted Andrew Siciliano mm-hmm. and he tweeted out that the Raiders defense has allowed a thousand and thirty-five yards yeah. in the first two games, which is the most by any NFL team in the first two games since nineteen forty. Yeah. And now, you know, we, we are again we'll go back to those preseason predictions. Oof. Most of us was predicting them to be, you know, the NFC, I mean I'm sorry, the AFC West champion and this yeah. being a year and them going to the playoffs. And a lot of that had to do with their defense. Yeah, it, it, you know, it hasn't really, hasn't really uh, kind of shown itself so far uh, in these first two games. And 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 I had, well, I had some concerns after that that Saints game. Yeah, because they didn't look dominant at all that game, and then they end up looking even worse against the Falcons last week. And the Falcons got throttled by the Bucks, who got throttled by. Arizona last week. Yeah. So, you know. You know, I think the most surprising thing, I mean, I don't want to put, you know, I know I don't want to put too much emphasis on just just the statistical number of sacks itself, but that Raiders defense only has two sacks this season, and Khalil Mack doesn't have any of them. Nope. Or either of them. And he hasn't necessarily played bad, but... and He's not taking over like he's capable of doing, though, either. Right, and I think to a certain extent, people maybe went a little overboard uh, when talking about him. Yeah, we uh, this year because of his season last year, and you talk about he had a really good season last year, but he had five sacks in one game, and you can't take that away from him. They all count. Yeah, but you have a statistical anomaly like that, then it kind of skews everything else. Right, because yeah. that means if you had five sacks in one game and you ended up with, I think, sixteen sacks, well, then in, in the other fifteen games, and I'm using air quotes right now, <laughs> you only had eleven. So maybe he wasn't the second coming of Lawrence Taylor last year, like some folks would have you believe. Yeah, I think he's a, a excellent player. Don't get me wrong, and I think he's played well so far this year. But if you know, if your expectation is he's going to break the sack record or he's this yeah. and that, I mean, twenty-two sacks is fucking hard to do, man. Yeah. Okay, it, it, it is. It, it just is. And 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 
you know, it, it, it hasn't happened yet. He still could have another one of those big five-sack games. It could happen this weekend. Yeah. But I think that maybe, just maybe, we a lot of people jump the gun with him, making it seem like, you know, not that he's not a good player, not that he ha- didn't have a great season last right. year, but maybe just going a little too far, making it seem like he's unblockable. Like, he's not Von Miller to right. me. You know, you, you, you single up Von Miller, your ass is grabbed. As we've with, seen with, these last two weeks. <laughs> absolutely. With Khalil Mack, he's a very good pass rusher. I like him coming out and all that good stuff. But he doesn't have that automatic, I'm going to get you know some pressure or a sack if you single me up to him just yet. Yeah. So, um, Well, and even without Mack, though, I mean, this defense, it should be better, I mean, with the sum of its parts. You know what I mean? Or feels well, you, like it should be. You would think so. And, and, and again, I, I don't necessarily know. I don't watch this film a, a couple of times trying to get my put my finger on what the actual issue is. And I, I can't really say for sure. I, I can't. You know, I, guys play good one play and, and maybe not so great the next play. Uh, and it's different guys every time. Uh, uh, I will say. Um, What's his name from Seattle that came over this year? Irvin. Uh, free agent Irvin. I think he's kind of lived up to his billing. He, I think he might have two sacks. He might be the one who has both of those two sacks, actually. Yeah, I think he had another one that was actually called back um, against the Saints because mm-hmm. somebody else had a penalty. Yeah, uh, but but so he's he's a guy who's kind of been been pulling his weight, but. It just, you know, other guys have just been making mistakes. So uh, Malcolm Smith, uh, I, he's a guy that's made some mistakes. But then again, like I said, you'll see him make some plays too. Yeah. So uh, uh, it's just, it's hard, man. Sometimes it's just, you're just a little bit off from play to play to play. And sooner or later, the dam breaks. And the yeah. dam last week against the Falcons, they look good. For most of that game, but then by the end of the game, man, they just, you know, it all kind of came crashing down. Yeah. So uh, they got to get it fixed, though. Uh, that's just way too many yards. I don't care who they played. That's way too many yards in the first two games for a good defense. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, to their credit, they're still one and one. So, it's not, you know, it could be a lot worse. They don't get that two-point play. They're feeling a lot worse about themselves today than, than they are now. Yeah. But uh, it's, it's a game of inches, man. They're going to have to figure out how to get that, that defense playing better in a hurry or all this, you know, happy talk about playoffs and maybe Super Bowl contender <laughs> going like go out the damn window. Another year of pre, uh, another year of offseason expectations down the toilet. Right down the train. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of off-season, high off-season expectations that maybe we were high to be high on in the first place, the Jacksonville Jaguars. What the shit, man? Woo! It, it, look, it's time. I, I don't like calling for people to get fired. This, I, I understand how disruptive that is for the coach, no matter how bad of a coach it is, no matter how bad of a guy it is. You're talking about having to move your family and just the humiliation of going through that. But having said all that, it's time for us to start 
thinking about who's going to replace Gus Bradley. Yeah. Because quite frankly, they have too much talent to have played like they played the first two games. Yeah. And don't let that score fool you in the Green Bay game. They still – that score is a little bit misleading. They, they, didn't, they weren't really – threatening to win that game. No. I was looking at that game like, ah, they're going to pull this off. Yeah. Right? They did just – their defense – and I said this in the preseason. Um, in the offseason, I kind of talked up the Jaguars because I felt like they brought in Malik Jackson. Um, they already had some pretty good talent on their defense. Uh, and, and I thought you put it all together, you, you, they were getting back their first-round pick. From last year, uh, uh, off of injury, Dante Fowler. And so I thought they had a chance to be the best defense in the AFC South. Yeah. Then you start getting into the preseason games, and they never look anything close to being dominant in the preseason, like against anybody. None of, in none of the games did their defense look dominant at all. Yeah. And, hell, I look up and Dante Fowler wasn't even really starting last week. So I don't know what that's about. But well, you and Miles Jack Fowler. hasn't played much either. <laughs> the coach said Dan Scooter is playing at a high level. I beg to differ, coach. That's <laughs> it. I don't know what the call is, but I can see when I ain't covering work for Dan, and I can see when he ain't really making any plays. So I beg to differ, okay? This defense – has plenty of talent. We already know the offense has a shitload of talent. It looks like Blake Bortles is regressing. He threw like uh, just a fucking terrible interception last week. Like, yeah. who knows who in the hell was he throwing it to? Yeah. Tight deals. And, and, and just nothing went right. And I understand sometimes you go on the West Coast and, and just, you know, shit hits the fan. I, I get that. But. Th- this wasn't like the 85 Bears you're playing. You're playing a, a Chargers team that had jumped on Kansas City the first week and then got beat, ended up getting beat, let them come all the way back and beat them. Yeah. So, and they lost their best wide receiver in that first week as well. Um, so if anything, you would have thought the Chargers were a little wounded, kind of licking their wounds, and this was a chance for, for – uh, 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 the Jaguars to at least to at least make it competitive, at least make it competitive, man. It, it, that was one of the most disappointing performances I've ever seen. And the thing about, it, like I said, it's so much talent on this team that if you get in a good coach with a good coaching staff, yeah. if you get a good offense coordinator, a good defense coordinator, man, this team should be a contender. Oh, this, yeah. But definitely next year, if they can kind of keep most of these guys intact, yeah, they got some question marks on the offensive line. Don't get me wrong about that. But you can show up the offensive line. But even with that offensive line, the offensive line to me hasn't been the big problem here. Blake yeah. Bortz has. He's been playing like ass. Yeah. And then, you know, for, for whatever reason, you're featuring uh, Marquise Lee, who got feet for, hand, for hands, rather than – I don't know, Alan Hearns or Alan Robinson. You know, you, you, you're giving Marquise Lee more, more targets than those guys? Yeah. So it just every fucking thing is wrong with this team. Everything. It's not like, oh, well, you, you know, we were talking about Green Bay and maybe they, you know, 
need guys to win a little bit more on the outside. Maybe uh, Aaron Rodgers needs to play a little bit more fundamentally sound. If you wanted to list all the things that were wrong with this team, even if it was just on one side of the ball, you could pick offense or defense, and it'll take you all day. Yeah. Like, they, they, they just aren't playing well at all. And, and again, they're very talented. I still, for the life of me, don't understand why Malik Jackson isn't a defensive end in the first place. Yeah. Instead, they're starting Jared Audrick, who, okay, he's a decent player. But if you got Malik Jackson and St. Derek Marks on the same team, St. Derek Marks shouldn't be a backup three technique. No. He should be starting. You should have Malik Jackson at defensive end. Now, everybody plays better. Move Dante Fowler to right defensive end since he's a smaller guy, and that yeah. makes sense anyway. And then you already got you got uh, Nagakwe as well. I hope I pronounced it even close to right. <laughs> well, I'm no help there. Right. <laughs> Look, <laughs> I don't know. I'm trying to. But you got talent, man. You got talent, but you wouldn't know it. Like, you watch these games, and, and it just – no, no. None of it makes I, sense. I know, I know that Jacksonville hasn't won in a long time. But their fans have got to be just fed up with this shit because it, it no, you cannot. Gus Bradley has had plenty of time, plenty of time, and they have assembled him a team with plenty of talent, and he's just squandering it right now. Oh. And tomorrow is not promised, and so they got to get somebody in there that actually knows what to do with this kind of talent. Yeah, and that, I mean that's like they've got the kind of talent now that like you know. For as long as they've been rebuilding, quote unquote, I mean, you know, it's the kind of talent, the kind of roster a rebuilding team would kill for after three years like this. I mean, they really ought to be. Uh, we'll see. I, I mean, I, I don't know if you saw uh, Jag's Twitter last Sunday or not, but uh, yeah, it was uh, the natives were restless. Yeah, I saw Alfie's tweets. with <laughs> <laughs> The fuck off. And I, w- I couldn't even be – listen, he was 100% right. Like, I, he might might not have even gone far enough. But he was just like, you know, this team is full of losers because their head coach is a loser. And I was like, you know what? Looked at good practice record. Y'all what your record says you are. So uh, I, couldn't, I couldn't debate that at all. But, I mean, seriously, uh, look, the next step is going to be apathy. Th- these fans are pissed off. And rightfully so, it, you can't possibly roll, keep rolling Gus Bradley out there after this. No. And you don't see any kind of, of progress with a much better team. It, it looks like Blake Bortles, who you, who you, you know, you got in the top five of the draft, is regressing. Yeah. No, you, you cannot have that. You, you can't. I don't care. You know, what you say, he might be a great guy. Some friends of mine think very highly of Gus Bradley. But, it, you know, it's a weird thing. Man. I hear people talk about so-and-so is a good coach all the time. Usually they're talking about position coaches. But, yeah. you know, with Gus Bradley. And I always just want to ask him, what is your fucking definition of a good coach? Because to <laughs> me, you go by the results. Like, if a guy is a good offensive line coach, well, then his offensive line plays well. If his offensive line plays shitty – that's a reflection of the coach, yeah. usually. So, okay, maybe for one year. Maybe the talent went there for one year. But if your offensive line coach has been there two or three years and your offensive line sucks, guess what? Your offensive line coach sucks. 
Yeah. So Gus Bradley has been a what five years now? His you are what your record says you are. Yeah. He's a shitty coach. Yeah. Might be a great guy, great father and husband, all that stuff, I'm sure. But he's a shitty coach. And you just you cannot continue to put up with this when there's no growth. Like there's no signs that they're about to turn the corner. Like you, yeah. you can't even say that about him. Last year with the Bucks, they were terrible, but you saw so many things from uh, 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 Jameis Winston yeah. and certain players, you know, uh, uh, on the offense and defense, where you say you just add a little bit more talent and maybe they're ready to turn the corner. Man, if they turn the corner, if the Jazz are turning the corner, they're turning the corner into the damn trash can. That's what they're going. <laughs> it's bad, and I even go back to last season. I mean, they should have been better than five and eleven last season. You would have thought. You would have thought, but definitely now. I mean, yeah. <laughs> You spend a second round pick on Miles Jack for him to ride the fucking bench? Are you kidding me? For a damn fucking school? I mean, just gifted that pick. Just like you couldn't have, you couldn't have prayed for a better draft situation than that. And by God, they got it, and they they're it's just pissed away. And it's not like he's hurt. Like he's no, he's healthy, and he's playing special teams and all that good shit. But you think you should start Dan Scooter? What 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 you think gonna happen? You you developing him for next year for the next coach? Are you fucking kidding me? Like I, I don't get that. If I'm gonna go down, I'm gonna go down with my best bullets firing. Yeah. Okay. I'm sure Miles Jack doesn't have it all mentally the way Dan Scooter does. I'm also a hundred percent sure that Dan Scooter can't make half of the plays that Miles Jack can make uh-uh. athletically. So put the guy in the fucking lineup and let him learn on the fly. Yeah, I don't get it. I, and that's just more of a reason not to believe in Gus Bradley because this shit doesn't make any sense. No, not at all. And like right now, I just like you look at the schedule, just like I don't see where it gets better for him. I really don't. I mean, if if if, you know, getting better can be considered, you know, peace of mind after you get fired and he's still going to pay you the rest of your contract. I guess that could be considered getting better, <laughs> but uh, no, I, this team's not going to just flick a switch and be better all of a sudden. Cause like I said, I mean, th- this stuff, it's the game plans and stuff. It's not just the players screwing up. Although some of the players, again, Blake Borders isn't playing well, but you, you're featuring fucking Marquise Lee who can't catch. Yeah. This is, that should have been a fireball offense right there. If there's an offensive coordinator that deserved to be fired this week, it was Greg Olson. Yeah. But no, no, no. Just keep putting that square peg in the round hole. It, it, you know, just keep hitting it. <laughs> It'll work itself out. <laughs> well, yeah, it's just, yeah. I mean, just that whole, like, I was just looking at their depth chart on our lads. It's just like, Jesus, man. It's just. You got really good tight ends, but you can't get the ball to them. Yeah. <laughs> it just, none of this shit made sense. Okay, Chris Ivory got some mystery illness, hasn't played the first two games. But you still got T.J. Yeldon. That's not really an excuse at all. No. Especially not when you got the talent they have everywhere else. Yeah. You know, Mercedes Lewis and Julius Thomas and Alan Hearns and Alan Robinson. Yeah, and, and shit, I take Rash- Rashad Green over Marquise Lee. Just to be honest with you, yeah. At least I know he might catch the damn ball. But man, this is just it, it, it's 
you know, like I said about uh, 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 Jimmy Graham, it's just infuriating when you look and see a team with this much talent be this bad. Yeah. Like, you're not, and it ain't about a prediction or anything else. It's about looking on film and, like, they should be much better than this. Yeah. They, they should absolutely be playing much better than this, and their coaches are not putting them in a position to win. Yeah. No, and because it, it's not like they're losing these games on a bad bounce or something like that. A freaky Fuck no. Ball or something. I mean, <laughs> 38 to 14 against the Chargers last week. <laughs> and again, that probably doesn't tell the tale just how bad they got their ass. No, kicked. not at all. It was fucking ugly. It was terrible. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, because they got those 14 points in garbage time last week. They had a two-minute drive. <laughs> they had a two-minute drive uh, before halftime that ended, I think, with like a screen, a wide receiver screen that lost yardage, and I think Blake oh. Bortles ended up getting sacked. Those were the last two plays. They were at mid, like midfield. Oh. So if they get like another first down or so, they're probably going to kick a field goal. Now, it was already down big, but still. Yeah. Yeah, but but those are the play calls you call basically. So like a, a screen pass to lose yards and, and then Blake Bortles gets sacked, I think. And they, I'm like, that was the worst fucking two minute drill ever. What are you doing? Oh man. We'll see. We'll see what happens this week. It's gonna be a good week. We got a good game tonight. I'm I'm you know, I know Thursday night football isn't always the, the game you most look forward to in the course of the week, to put it politely. But uh, I think Patriots-Texans ought to be a good one, and we got a good week ahead, good, a good Sunday coming up. Oh, absolutely. I'm, I'm definitely looking forward to it. The one thing I'll say is, like, again, uh, two weeks into the season, we've had two weeks of mostly really good games. We have outliers here and there. Yeah. Um, for the most part, a lot of these games are coming down to the last possession. And that's all you can ask for, especially if you're the NFL and you want to keep your viewership high. You know, I know these uh, bogus polls about 40% going to start yeah. watching the NFL. But their numbers have never been any better. And if you continue to have games that are close right at the end, that means people are going to stay and watch those games all the way to the end. Yeah. So uh, I just look forward to every week. And, and, you know, it's a little bit of unpredictability right now. We're still figuring out a bunch of these teams and who they are and who they could be, whether they're 2-0 or 0-2. A lot of these teams, you know, it's still hard to kind of figure out. So yeah. uh, I'm really excited about this week. I think every week we learn a little bit more about which teams are real and which teams are pretenders. Yeah, and that makes it fun. That's why we watch it in the first place, man. Can't help ourselves. That's right. <laughs> hey, uh, Stephen, it's been another excellent show, if I do say so myself. Um, we'll have some more stuff coming up this week, and we'll reconvene again on Thursday of next week. Sounds like a plan, huh? Sounds great. All right, take care and have a good day. Enjoy the games this week, Stephen. 